Welcome to the COVID What Comes Next podcast with Dr. Ashish Jha, Dean of the Brown University School of Public Health and a globally respected pandemic scientist and physician. Every week here, Dr. Jha will analyze events of the previous several days and offer his assessment and guidance for what lies ahead. I'm your host, G. Wayne Miller of the Providence Journal and the USA Today Network. Good morning, Ashish. How are you? Good morning, Wayne. I'm well. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. So it's hard to believe we began this podcast a year ago, uh, and so much has happened since then as we've chronicled during 36 earlier episodes. And I did the math on that, and it's almost nine hours of podcasting. So Wow. I know. Thanks on behalf of, of everyone, our audience, and those of us at the Journal on USA Today. And It's been, it's a been my delight. It really has been my delight. And at some point, it'd be interesting. I don't know if any of us would want to have spend nine hours on it, but it'd be interesting to go back and listen because it really is a chronicling of this pandemic over the last year. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I've thought of that, too. And if I can find nine hours somewhere (laughs) (laughs) or get somebody to do it, maybe we can can do that. So let's begin with a general assessment of where we are in the pandemic today, halfway through. October. So it seems like cases are going down, although they remain fairly high. Winter is approaching, seems the opposite of what you might expect. But this is kind of what you predicted in our last podcast a month ago. Go ahead. What's your what, where, Yeah. Where I, so big picture, the Delta surge of the summer is clearly turned a corner, has clearly turned a corner. No doubt about it. Infections are down 40 percent. Hospitalizations are down 30, death is down 10, 15%, which, you know, we always know death lags, but death will come down. Um, and that is fabulous, really good. Um, the horrible surge of the South, I think, is is over. I mean, Florida, boy, it, it, was, it was among the worst in the world. And now it's like well below national average. Uh, so the, the South is really turned around. I, I think there are pockets of concerns I have. Um, uh, certainly in the upper Midwest and Great Plains states, um, because the weather is getting colder and we know the virus likes to sp- spreads a little more efficiently in cold weather. But really, it spreads when people gather indoors, unmasked, unvaccinated people. And so if you look at the upper Midwest, you look at the Great Plains states, North Dakota, Montana, uh, large parts of Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, you're, you're seeing infection numbers still rising in those places. And I'm, I'm worried about some of those parts. Nationally, much better shape, but there are pockets of the country where I still remain concerned. So we're about two weeks away from Halloween, which sort of unofficially kicks off the, the holiday season. Uh, you know, Thanksgiving comes after that. And then, of course, we get into the winter holidays. So let's start with Halloween. What about trick-or-treating this year? Look, I think trick-or-treating last year was pretty safe because it was outdoors. Uh, I think it's going to be really safe this year. Obviously, I had been pushing and hoping that we might get first shot into 5 to 11-year-olds. That's the sweet spot of Halloween. Uh, Trick-or-treaters, I was hoping they'd have their first shot by Halloween. They won't. I don't think they'll – I think we'll miss it by a few days. Um, But what that means – is probably, especially with young kids, I wouldn't do large house parties. 
Um, but is it safe to go trick or treating? Absolutely. Uh, is it safe to step inside somebody's house for 30 seconds to pick up a piece of candy? Absolutely. Um, especially I think kids should, you know, if they're going to go inside, they should wear a mask. If they're outside, they don't need to wear a mask. Um, so I think Halloween should be maybe not a hundred percent normal, but let's say very, very, very close to normal. So what do you foresee for Thanksgiving and then uh, the holidays in December? You know, of course we remember vividly last year when, when things were severely curtailed, many places were in lockdown and so forth. But what about this year? We're a year later. Totally different. Totally different. Yeah. Last, I was thinking about this last Thanksgiving uh, we, my wife and I spent it with our kids alone. We spent some outdoor time with some friends and then Christmas was probably the saddest thing. Cause we basically just had a little mini Christmas dinner, but we didn't see any family and it was just sad. It was sad. It was not the holidays we wanted totally different this year. And I'll tell you why. First of all, everybody's vaccinated. And my, my nine-year-old is going to be vaccinated by the holidays. Uh, he may not be fully vaccinated by Thanksgiving, though it'll be close. Uh, he may have his second shot by then. Uh, but by Christmas, uh, Hanukkah time, he'll be fully vaccinated. So everybody over five who wants to be vaccinated will be fully vaccinated. I think that'll make a big difference. Second is I think for elderly people or high-risk people, they all should have gotten their booster by then. And then, you know, Look, that alone means if you do an, of any kind of holiday gathering with all vaccinated people, boy, you're in, in like very, very, very low risk situation. For people who are still nervous, you can add, or if you have a family member or two who are unvaccinated, uh, you can add some rapid tests and rapid antigen tests are becoming more widely available. They're still a little expensive at about 10 bucks each. My hope is that by the next month, six weeks, that price will fall as more of them flood the market. And so if you really want to be extra careful, give everybody a rapid test before they come over for Thanksgiving dinner. It takes 15 minutes, get a negative result. Everybody's vaccinated. Boy, at that point, I don't know what else you can do to make it safer. Uh, you're in an exquisitely safe situation. So these are test kits you can buy at CVS, Walgreens, or your, your local pharmacy, correct? Correct. Correct. And, you know, Binax now, there's a bunch of others. Uh, as I said, they're, they're still a little hard to find today. Uh, you can get them. Uh, over the next month, I think they will become much more widespread. And I certainly think by Thanksgiving, but boy, by the holidays, uh, if they're more than like five bucks each, I will be very, very surprised. And if they're hard to find, I'll be very, very disappointed. So you you talked about the five to eleven year old group, and that uh, that emergency use authorization is coming um, fairly soon. Just generally, what do you, is this a good thing? I mean, that's kind of a yeah. rhetorical question. I think it is a good thing, and you know, there are a lot of people who say, "Well, what's the big deal? Five to eleven year olds are at low risk." And you know, one thing we've talked about, Wayne, that I, I just need to iterate because uh, I don't think we can iterate it often enough is it is it's been striking to me how much people keep comparing kids outcomes to adult outcomes and saying kids are safer. That's true for everything for cancer. Kids have better outcomes than adults, but we don't say, well, kids cancer doesn't count. It's not that important because they have better outcomes than adults. We never use adults as a comparison. The way to think about kids and COVID is to ask how big a risk is COVID for kids compared to other risks that kids face like influenza, like RSV, like uh, other kind of childhood injuries. And when you use that light and that prism, 
COVID is a big deal. Um, you know, not, not horrible deal, but it's a big deal. It's worse than the flu for kids. So we have a safe and effective vaccine that can dramatically reduce infections and severity in kids. I don't know why we wouldn't do it. I, I personally think kids should be getting a flu shot, um, but this is worse than the, than the flu for children and kids should get the COVID vaccine. I, I mean, I, and I can say what I want, but at the end of the day, the proof is what am I going to do? My nine-year-old is going to get it probably the first or second day that it is available. Yeah. And I've got, I've got relatives and friends with, with kids in that age group and, and they're right there with you. And so it is definitely a good thing. This question has come up repeatedly to me and to people at the journal and elsewhere. The five to 11s are going to get one third of the adult dose. And, and yep. some people have question, okay, well, if you're like, if you're like an 11 year old who weighs, you know, and there are, there are kids that age who weigh what an adult weighs, what's the difference? Can you break that down for us? Cause frankly, yeah. I don't quite get it either. Yeah. It's a really good question. And I have, and you know, a small 12 year old versus a large 11 year old. I mean, especially in that age range, kids grow at very different uh, pace and times. Right. Yeah. Uh, and you just have to have a 12, 11, 12 year old on a basketball court or on a soccer field to go, Whoa, those two children who are the same age are very, very different size. Uh, I think this is a conversation with your pediatrician. Um, you know, the problem is going to be, people are going to be loath to, um, go against official recommendations. I do wish that we could do this in a weight, more of a weight-based method. Uh, but there's an, a nuance here. I think if your kid is not close, meaning if you have a nine-year-old, definitely stick to the five to 11 uh, smaller dose. If you have a, if you have a 11-year-old who's large or a 12-year-old who's small, talk to the pediatrician and see what they recommend. Um, it may be reasonable to go in a different direction, but really based on the guidance of your, of your physician. Okay. And that of course is usually, and perhaps always very good advice for individual cases. So um, on another matter, since the last time we spoke, which was a month ago, a number of States, including Rhode Island and many, many others have imposed vaccine mandates for healthcare workers. How would you evaluate the success of those mandates uh, in terms of getting people vaccinated and in terms of their impact on staffing levels. Yeah, um, lots, of, lots of heat, very little light, lots of noise. Uh, so let's look at the data. Um, the data suggests that vaccine mandates just work, that people get vaccinated. Um, there is always gonna be a small, noisy minority. You know, the one nurse who so strongly refuses that he or she's willing to lose their job. Um, that those are just extremely rare. And I think context is important. And there is a sense that we have created out there that vaccine mandates are causing large numbers of people to leave. I've seen no data to back that up. In fact, all the data I've seen suggests that most people get vaccinated. You know, there is going to be one to two percent. Uh, some United Airlines, it was half a percent. Uh, other places, it's one percent. On, on the healthcare side, Given the national mandate that is coming down from CMS, I think the decision for healthcare workers is not going to be, do I quit my job at Care, you know, New England or Lifespan uh, here in Rhode Island? 
Like, where are you going to work? Are you going to continue to work in healthcare? If you are, it is going to become untenable at some point not to be vaccinated and for you to be putting uh, your patients and other people at risk. I, I just, I don't see how healthcare workers who don't want to be vaccinated are going to be able to function effectively for the long run. Thank you. Uh, last year, there was a lot of concern over the quote unquote twin pandemics of COVID and seasonal flu. Uh, what does that look like this year in terms of COVID and the flu influenza? Yeah. Well, it turns out that last year it was the flu basically didn't didn't show up. And the reason is we did a lot of masking and hand washing and all this stuff that actually probably made a really big at social distancing that made a big difference for the flu. Uh, people, I do want to address one issue. People say, well, then why didn't it work for COVID? Two things. First of all, COVID is far more contagious than the flu, just far more contagious. So if you put in an intervention to reduce contagiousness, it'll work for the flu. It'll help with COVID, but it does not necessarily mean it's going to uh, wipe it. I also, COVID is spread a bit differently. It's much more airborne. Co uh, flu is more droplets and surface. And we were doing a lot of cleaning and that kind of stuff. What I suspect is going to happen this year with less masking, less social distancing is we're going to see a lot more flu. Um, I'm hoping that we continue having some of the, the lessons of COVID will keep the flu level from getting horrible. Uh, but I plan to, I have not actually, and I will, as I've been realizing as I'm speaking to you, I have not gotten my flu shot yet, but I plan to in this, uh, in this week, everybody should get their flu shot. Uh, because again, it's, it's flu is bad. And second, you don't want to be dealing with flu in the, in the context of COVID. And, and so I'm worried about the flu season more this year because there's less of the precautions. Yeah, I, I got my flu vaccine on Sunday, went early to my pharmacy, no wait, nothing, just boom, boom, in, out. Good. And that, actually, no no lingering pain in the arm, which yeah, which is always a, a good bonus. So we have one audience question. It's actually a couple of questions from someone in New Jersey. And he began by thanking you, writing about the podcast. It's a can't miss for me, one of my favorite ways to get concise, targeted, latest updates on the pandemic. I think that's a pretty good description. So then here's what he writes. We have a healthy 11-year-old son who turns 12 around December 1st. Under the assumption that vaccines become eligible for kids 5 to 11 by the end of October, does Dr. Jha have any thoughts, date about kids that age getting a lower dose right away? And, and you've, I guess, sort of kind of answered that already. Or if any benefits, reasons to wait the extra month to get the same dosage kids 12 plus have been getting for a while. I think it. this is... the really is a conversation with a pediatrician. I would prefer to get the kid vaccinated earlier. There's still a lot of COVID out there, an extra month, probably okay, but I'd prefer that the kid got vaccinated. You know, um, but talk to your pediatrician. If your child is on the smaller side, uh, the 12-year-old dose may be just too much because remember, it's 12 to 17, 12 to 16. So there's some, you know, that, that just may be too much. Otherwise, go for the smaller dose. I, this is a conversation with a pediatrician. It can be a quick conversation uh, based on size, based on other issues. Um, but I, I would talk it over with the pediatrician. Thank you, Ashish. Uh, we'll see you, I'm guessing, in about two weeks, maybe three weeks, but we'll definitely be seeing you a little later in the fall. I look forward to it. And last thing I will say is, you know, there's a lot of trepidation out there about this fall and winter, and I understand it especially with Delta variant out there, we're in way better shape than where we were last October. Uh, we've got high levels of population immunity, not high enough, 
We need more people vaccinated. We've got boosters. We've got an oral pill. We didn't barely even talked about Wayne uh, that I think next time, maybe we can talk about the Merck pill Yeah, and we'll have more data, by the way. So if we do it more than a couple of weeks from now, if we do it a couple of weeks from now, we'll have more data on it. That's an important uh, advancement. There's a lot that is going for us. So yes, we're going into another fall and winter, but I will tell you last October at this time, I felt a sense of dread and was worried. Uh, I am not this year. We have some, we still have some rocky days ahead with some bumpy waters. We're not done, but we're way better shape than where we were a year ago. Thank you, Ashish. See you in a couple of weeks. I look forward to it. Take care. Bye-bye.